My name's Cutter Calloway, and I'm Assistant Professor of Theology and Culture at Fuller Theological Seminary. Welcome to Fuller Studio. Welcome to TV and Theology, an audio series in which we construct a theology of television to help viewers more fully engage with the power and meaning of TV. This season, I talk with filmmaker and Fuller alum Avril Speaks about the Netflix Marvel series, Luke Cage. Well, we are going to kind of piggyback on our last episode where we were talking about violence and ethics and how do you form empathy with people who are perhaps unlike you, who perhaps came from a place that their story is just different on a fundamental level and forming those empathetic bonds. A lot of that has to do with representation of how TV represents stories and people. One of the things that I've found just wonderful, I'm a dad of three girls, so maybe it stands out because of that. I'm looking for sort of models for them, but Luke Cage at times... There is nothing but not just women, but women of color on the screen and for extended periods of time. And they're not typecast in some diminutive role, but are in fact in positions of leadership. They're, you know, the city councilwoman. They're the lead agent on the case. They're the chief of police. They're the night nurse, Claire. All of these women are central core elements. They have full sort of rich character arcs. They're developed, they're nuanced, everything that you would want to see. And so I see all this and I think to myself, I'd love to hear your thoughts as a woman of color creating shows, right, for people to watch. You had said a few episodes ago, there's more opportunity now for this than ever. There's more diversity and representation. But because of that, there's also just more TV, period. Mm -hmm. And so the tendency in a Netflix world where Netflix and Amazon are not just offering up suggestions of what to watch, but have algorithms that are based on who you are and you know what mm -hmm. they think you want are limiting your view of what's even available. So I think it's a both and, but where is it that it's the TV creator's role to create diversity in that way? And then where is it that it becomes the audience's responsibility to consume the right things? Have you, have you thought about how those things interact both as a creator and as a consumer yourself? So you're asking like, whose fault is it? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, I mean, both whose fault is it and how can we make sure that both our vision of the world isn't limited, but then also we encourage and support this diversity of visions? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think obviously creators have a large part to do with what we're seeing on television. Um, you know, working in television, I'm seeing how much control. Yeah. It's like I've always known that, but even knowing top down, like even in yeah. terms of the network and how much mm. say they get mm -hmm. to have on top of the writer. Like you can have a yeah. writer who writes something all day and then the network says, yeah. no, we don't want that. We want something different, which is why I cited Atlanta because I'm like, how in the world yeah. did you get this past <laughs> yeah. Yeah. the network? But yeah, it's like, I think it is up to consumers to watch the stuff. Like those creators are responding based mm -hmm. on what the consumers say they want or don't want and what mm -hmm. they're watching and what they're not watching. What's always interesting to me is now it's always a conversation like, yeah. what are you watching yeah. on television, right? And so now I'm noticing that whenever I say mm -hmm. what I'm watching, a lot of times, if the person is not black, I get <laughs> blank stares. You know what oh, I mean? Because yeah. it's like, I've never even heard of this show. You know, yeah. I watch Queen Sugar. I watch yeah. Atlanta, you know, and a lot of them are, I watch Underground. A lot of them are black shows. One show that you won't claim that you watched anymore too. I won't mention that one. 
What's the oh empire? God. Come on, you still love empire. <laughs> now you don't. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Empire has <laughs> has gone down a road that I'm like, <laughs> I, I don't know if I can return. And I think we have so much content now that yeah. just generally speaking, yeah. it's really easy to not be on the same page with what you're watching yeah. anyway. I watch a lot of Showtime shows, yeah. you know, so I don't watch Game of Thrones. A lot of people yeah. watch and I'm just like, I've never seen an episode yeah. of Game of Thrones because I watch a lot of Showtime shows. I'll admit and... I haven't either. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're one of yeah. a few in the world, but like there's so much content that it's really easy to yeah. kind of not be on the same page anyway. But, you know, I find it really interesting that we're kind of in separate worlds, you know, in terms of race when it comes yeah. So what we're watching, hmm. you know, on Wednesday nights, it's almost like I have two separate timelines huh. where I have this group over here who are all tweeting, Facebooking about hmm. Queen Sugar. There's all these hashtags about Queen Sugar oh, interesting. or Empire or, you know, whatever show is on. And then I have this other group of friends that, you know, it's about baseball. Every time there's like a BET award show or something yeah. like that, like everybody's tweeting about that. Hmm. And then my wife friends, it's not even on their radar. So yeah. it's interesting how like, yeah, consumers play a role, but even just looking at how race yeah. does actually play a part in that mm -hmm. in terms of what we watch and who's watching what. And so in that regard, you do have to kind of be intentional yeah. to find other content. And like you were saying, like, you know, Netflix will give you, it's like, oh, you like Empire. Yeah. So you'll like Star, you know, it gives you this kind of algorithm of what you'll like based on one show that you watched. And it's like, well, I might want to watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. or like, you know, the Mindy Project or something. And yeah. so that may not fit into your algorithm of what you think that I want to yeah. watch. And I think we have to kind of be intentional about looking outside of our own box. It's funny because I, my Netflix, I actually have two accounts, but on my Roku, on my TV, I can't get it to have different profiles. So I have mm -hmm. one for my kids. So on that one, it's a mix of both my daughters and me. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I watch Luke Cage. Um, <laughs> I watch, <laughs> you know, any number of things that would be on Netflix that are adult oriented. Daredevil, it's another good one that I watch. But mm -hmm. then my daughters watch My Little Pony and these other <laughs> things. And it's all the same profile. So I'm always wondering like, what does Netflix <laughs> think I am? <laughs> And apparently what it thinks I am is ideally suited for Korean language romance movies. <laughs> so it's like, you probably like, and it's, I'm like, what? And I just keep scrolling through and some of them don't even have English subtitles. And I'm like, what? You know, it's like a rom-com from Korea. So apparently you add My Little Pony plus Luke Cage and, and that's what you get. But it is so interesting because it seems like there's so many opportunities and yet we so easily fall back into kind of like what you're saying. You have these two feeds that... I mean, I hear one that's sort of a tragedy that I hear in your expression is that you kind of have this fractured identity or these fractured communities that don't talk to each Very other. Much. And then you make sort of gross generalizations about one, about the other. You don't have that sort of empathy when it comes to dealing with real world things. And I'd like to think, or at least I go into this whole, you know, the book that I wrote and the class that I teach and the stuff I do at church, that this is an actual opportunity that we have, that there really are ways of engaging in these stories, but it has to be something we commit to. And in many cases, once again, deal with some stuff that might make us uncomfortable, that mm -hmm. might push us outside of our boundaries. But isn't that kind of what Christian community is supposed to be, mm -hmm. right? I mean, like, isn't that what the church is supposed to be? Is a messy group of individuals, a bunch of misfits who are diverse and don't see the world in the same way, don't have the same experiences, mm -hmm. but find some common ground to interact with as opposed to getting stuck in our Twitter feeds or whatever. Yeah. Is that like a pipe dream? 
So for example, there's a group I know that did a Luke Cage viewing group to talk about race and get, you know, a number of people and saw this series as a way to, to have the conversation you and I are having right now. Is that in your mind a possible way forward or a hope that you have both in what you're creating and then just on the ground watching? Yeah, that's definitely a hope. This is why I loved going to Fuller. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is why I love these kind of podcasts and just opportunities to share. I mean, I see it essentially as sharing a story. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. every film, every television show you watch. And, you know, I talked about the chains and how many people are involved in television. But there is a creator that's behind that that has a story to tell. You know, we were talking about violence earlier, and this is something I wanted to say in relation to that. But like in the midst of that violence, in the midst of that language and sex or whatever, someone has a story to tell you. Like they're trying to tell you a story and you can either tune that out Mm -hmm. or you can listen to what that story is. Mm -hmm. You might go, "Mm, you know, the language is a little bit. I still want to hear your story, even though your language may be a little bit colorful. I still want to know what your story is. And Mm -hmm. I think we still want to engage with that story, you know, when it comes to race and representation and so on and so forth someone behind that has a story to tell. And that is my hope for the media is that we're listening to that story, number one, but also that we're talking about that story and like what's in that story and, you know, how that story strikes us. I mentioned like I watch a lot of Showtime shows. You know, one of my favorite shows on there is Shameless, which is about a poor white family in Chicago. I don't relate to that on the (laughs) surface. You know what I mean? Like I'm not white. I don't live in Chicago. I'm not poor. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's like an alcoholic father. And the mother left and all this kind of stuff. Like, I don't relate to that story. I actually don't know how I started watching that show. I think, actually, I do know a friend of mine. I was staying at her house and she said, uh, you need to watch this show and it's really good. And then we started, it was like over hmm. the Christmas holiday and you know, yeah. they do those marathons. And oh, so yeah, we ended yeah. up watching it and I got hooked, but I flipped by Shameless many times and hmm. it's like, oh, this white family, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. But once you watch it, that introduced me to hmm what it's like to be poor and white in yeah. Southside Chicago, <laughs> you know, and there are things that come up in that show yeah. that I'm like, oh, I've, like I never thought about yeah. how that would affect a white person. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's a different reality. Sure. You know what I mean? But it's interesting. It's another world. And mm. I grew up in a predominantly black neighborhood, so yeah. I wouldn't know. Yeah. Kind of what you're getting at, I think, is on the one hand, it's focusing on well-told stories. So, you know, there's some that's just, well, that's no good. And who wants to bother with it? It could be the most well-represented show on the planet. You know, it's very diverse, you know, whatever, but it's a crummy story. So there's that side that we need to be sort of advocates for great storytelling because there's something about that that captures no matter who we are. But that even gets back to the sort of particular universal thing that if Shameless tried to tell a universal story that it would have been a failure. It wouldn't have connected with you, with anybody else. But it says, no, we're going to tell the story of this little family dealing with these specific incidents in Mm -hmm. this specific location. Mm -hmm. And somehow that particularity connects with the something shared or universal in your life, even though you're not even remotely close to the same thing. Mm -hmm. And that is, I think, even though there's a lot of TV now and there's more than ever, and there's more good TV than ever, there still are things that sort of rise to the top of saying, oh, this is sort of the cream of the crop. Like, yeah. this is really good. Yeah. And we can maybe become advocates for that because well, of how that happens. And I think it comes back to culture, too. Like, I think, yeah. you know, being attuned to culture, yeah. like what is happening in yeah. culture, like just by reading or mm-hmm. just by, you know, being alert 
to what's going on. You know, you take a series like Luke Cage that breaks the internet. Like, what yep. is this show? Yep. Like, there's a reason why people mm-hmm. are watching mm-hmm. this. I need to be attuned to this, you know, and hopefully people are able to kind of see what are the parallels between Luke Cage and yep. what's going on in reality. But I think it's important for us as believers yep. to kind of keep our ear to the ground mm-hmm. on what people mm-hmm. are consuming. And so, you know, even when we talk about race, like, I think that yep. kind of plays into it. It's also just being aware culturally yep. of what's why is everybody so into Atlanta? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like if you haven't watched that show, the show is phenomenal. Yeah. And it's very specific. Like mm. I used to live in Atlanta for a while and it's <laughs> like, oh God, this show is so Atlanta. But keeping in tune with culture, you know, whether you're talking about television, whether you're yeah. talking about music, what is it that everybody is going crazy about and yeah. why? Like, yeah. why are they so into this? I yeah. think is really important for us to keep in mind. That's a really great point. I think even beyond sometimes people think, oh, we're trying to reclaim or redeem this thing that maybe is frivolous or just for entertainment or whatever. And it's like, well, no, more broadly or, or at a deeper level is exactly what you're saying. These are representative of people's hopes and dreams and what they value and what's important totally. and what they're orienting their lives around. Mm-hmm. And it may or may not have to do with the story. I mean, like Luke Cage, no one had seen it yet. You know, that's why the internet broke. But it signaled something in the contemporary imagination that this is important. And if we are, as the people of God, completely unaware of that, and none of us are even really care about it, we're missing something pretty major. Yeah. And I think that'll be our stopping point here so that in our next episode, well, let's talk about that something major and specifically how we understand Black Lives Matter and maybe how that connects a bit to what Luke Cage is doing and why it sort of spawned such interest that it did moving forward. So Black Lives Matter and all other things, super uncontroversial when we <laughs> return. <laughs> You have been listening to a production of Fuller Studio. Fuller Studio provides articles, podcasts, videos, and other resources for a deeply formed spiritual life. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app or visit us at fuller.edu studio.